What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Hello, welcome to the Airbuds Podcast. Podcasts are internet radio programs. This is one about professional basketball in America. My name, Jamel Johnson. Hello, I'm Peter. My name, Mike Benner. Yo, happy basketball, gentlemen. Happy basketball. Whoopie Hamdi. Um... Has it been happy basketball this week? I feel like we've made real progress towards basketball coming back. It's been half happy. I'm happy that they're going to be playing the NBA AAU tournament. I'm happy that I'm going to get to watch that, but I'm sick of hearing about Bradley goddamn Beal going to fucking Brooklyn for nothing. They're all just right, like, all right, oh, well, let's, let's we're jumping ahead here. Man. Yeah, we'll get into that, but let's get some business. Jumping ahead. Let's get some we got, business. We got intros. We got out of the way. Uh, okay, Fun. look, if you go to Apple Podcasts and you leave us a five-star review and, and write something, we will read whatever you write on the air. A lot of you idiots are just clicking that five stars and not writing anything and then therefore not forcing Peter to say something racist onto a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, only the only reviews I'm I would love to read a review where I could just say like Jamel's great and the white guys are fine. <laughs> that, those are all the other ones. Okay. Why do I have to read the racist ones? Uh okay, so this again, uh I feel like might be Jamel. Uh we got a five star review. Uh I do not I was not I don't read these. I don't <laughs> write these. Headline Yeet Mesquite. Uh five stars. <laughs> Uh, okay. The author of the review, I hate both of you. <laughs> I see how this could, you could think. I see how you could think this was me. Uh, but this is not me. Here's the body of the review. Drew Holiday would put Michael Jordan in the torture chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Holiday looking like Roger Federer. <laughs> Talk about do that, man. Nah. <laughs> Uh, ex that that is an excellent five star review. Thank you. Uh, you that's a good one. Thank you. I hate both good. of you for leaving that. Uh, yeah. And if you want to support us, go to patreoncom pod for a very small amount of money. You get uh, at this point like multiple bonus contents a week. Uh, access to the Slack, which is very fun. Um, I feel like Tim, we should just add you to the Slack if you're if you're interested. Oh uh, man, yes. Any, I feel like any multiple returning guests just gets added to the Slack. Generally, we need to start. Yeah, we need to start adding some channels. I think yeah. it's time to get a fit group, and then we need to get a group of people who would destroy Michael Jordan. 
That should be another channel. Yeah. And then we'll do like uh maybe favorite NBA alcoholics. Yeah, and then there's also just like the wholesome channel we should have. Like people it's it's very like it's very nice yeah. in there sometimes. Like it's a Shout very supportive our, community. Yeah. Shouts out to our Slack space. grads. A lot of Slack grads, people giving us our graduation pit their graduation Yeah, picks. we got a lot of quarantine graduation picks going on in there. We love it. Uh anyways, uh Airbuds Dot, or I'm sorry, patreon.com slash airbudspod. Uh, let's get into our guest. He is a returning champion. You know him uh, from, I don't know, uh, screen and pod. Uh, he is one of the funniest people we've ever had on our show. Please welcome Tim Baltz. That's a lot of pressure. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, I've lost it all during quarantine, so I'm just glad to throw a rusty <laughs> bone your guys' way. <laughs> oh, man, Dude, we'll take it. We, yeah. We'll take we fucking, anything. We love bones. <laughs> Honestly, it's I've been talking to so many people. There have been a lot of like last dance NBA fans that at this point have kind of tuned me out. And my fiance's brother um, has been like, are, are you done with your podcast circuit yet? And I'm like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm like, you tuned me out. What do you care? I went, I went at him well, so yeah, hard. Make sure he downloads the pod. I made him tap out over text or he'd be like, yeah, like, you know, you're going back and forth like long paragraphs, and then I'll get like one sentence from him where he's like, "Yeah, I agree with that." <laughs> like, <laughs> all right, all right, you're done. We're it done. is very <laughs> difficult to like kind of like end a conversation over text. It's hard to be like, "Well, I gotta, I gotta go." Yeah. Like, <laughs> Especially when one person's like going into basketball reference, like uh, screenshots. <laughs> <laughs> which i told you guys before we started Speaking of the podcast circuit uh uh we got bumped last week for dunk town i'm so sorry damn i'm sorry hey you know what that's that's our vibe <laughs> yeah. that's really like yeah. i didn't mean to start I mean, I beef. i'm not trying you, to start you beef. also made the right decision no yeah. they asked yeah no they literally just they asked they asked like a like a few days before and i just you know i've lost all track of of space and time so they like some one person they either sent a date and a time and you sent a day and a time and i was like wow yeah Sun, sunday yeah uh, I'm free well, sunday. i, just, I, don't I do literally anything. only mentioned it because i just want to see if they actually listen to our show <laughs> <laughs> dates days and time are all pretty much a wash at this point so no one can really be held to account yeah how are you guys doing in quarantine i've lost I all track of day, dates and times yeah yeah, yeah, just I here. I bought a winter jacket last week. What? I bought a wool coat. <laughs> Why? I got I my... bought a walk. I bought a walk uh, recently. That was nice. Oh, that's good. All right. Immediately stained it and burnt it, but uh, that but that doesn't seem like to be like the worst thing in the world. No, that's what walks set that's it what on you fire do in your driveway. Yeah, walks oh, get okay. fucking discolored immediately. I didn't know. Oh. I went out to 99 Ranch out in like Alhambra. Only place I could find a good walk. Oh shit! Is that yeah. like is that like the ninety nine cent store, but like more rustic? It's like uh, Korean or or just uh, I don't know. Generally Asian, like super like superstore. Like I think it's Chinese owned, uh, and it is Vons, like a place basically. to get. Yeah, it's like a it's a great like uh, Asian market that also has like walks or like if you want like a uh sticky rice cooker you can go there although just found out you can make sticky rice in your microwave super easy been going through that night market cookbook last week oh 
And now I have to go on a diet because I've eaten nothing but that for like the last week. Oh, bro. I went back to back sticky rices last week and um, here I am. I'm living to tell the tale. <laughs> Congratulations. Tim, have you been cooking in quarantine? I feel like we all have been. Yeah, a lot, a lot. Lily, my fiance and I, uh, like we we trade off cooking. It's pretty much like whoever needs a greater sense of control in life to manage and quarantine anxiety is like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, so I'm it's not charge. like, it's not like giving a gift to the other person to relax. It's more like, I need this for me right yeah, now. Yeah. And our kitchen isn't big enough to like, to have us both kind of operating and doing different things Like we can, but we kind of have to talk about it. And that conversation just gets so tiresome that someone's like, I'm taking the lead. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll like peel these sweet potatoes and then just get the fuck out of the kitchen. <laughs> like, I, you, you know. know, that is like so interesting. Like I hadn't thought about that. Like it, it, like I feel like I have, like I've always loved to cook, but it has been like definitely like, oh no, I'll cook tonight, honey. Because I think in the back of my mind, I'm like, I fucking, I need a task. I need to not talk to you. I need to be in a room for 90 minutes making something so i feel like i have accomplished anything. that's what it is that's what it is yeah. let me accomplish one thing today you know yeah because like i'm i'm trying not to put too much like burden on myself you know creatively if i had this much time off normally i think i'd be like i need to accomplish xyz i'm if i can do one thing even if it's like reading 50 pages of the book that i'm on or whatever like that needs to be enough because the low days get pretty low and I'm not trying to have too many high days to make medium days feel bad. <laughs> I want medium days to feel like I'm a fucking rock star. Here we go. <laughs> I'm on a streak. <laughs> I I think I would like. Hold on. Wait, yeah. what? Hold on. Wait, hold on. What constitutes medium? Is it like putting on jeans? Yeah. Is that medium for you guys? I Yeah. For, That's big time for me. For me, it's. Yeah. If I if I leave sweatpants for something shorts uh whatever like if i if i go for a walk if i work out a little if i read something or just like you know write for whatever for no reason or whatever if i do all four of those things like that's a and i eat three meals a day that's a medium day you know nothing to write home about but but i i gotta say though uh i've i've always been kind of a jeans guy like i've my entire life even when i was like skateboarding as like a teen in the humid philadelphia summers like i wore jeans i've always been a like pants guy uh i've kind of pivoted to a shorts guy in quarantine i've ordered Welcome, michael and not even just a shorts guy i've purposely ordered like shorty short like thigh bearing shorts <laughs> that, that, like, oh. that i intend to wear around other people Whoa, that's Mike my, that's just like the first time you're not living in like Allen Iverson 2002. <laughs> it just took like 18 years for you to kind of like break through. I'm, I'm proud yeah, of you, man. But yeah, I have like pastel colored Nike shorts that like come up to my mid thigh that like I will. Ooh, yes. You guys will see me in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good. Bro, when are we going to do it? We should do an auction. We should do a like a dating. Let's do an auction on all three of us where we all wear Jamel, our We first got to take videos no, of we, all of our. We know we, how we, that we, will we, end. We, <laughs> We owe we owe the world feet videos, right? No, we don't. No, Benner that, is the only one asking us to pull our feet out. Nobody it's, else. It's literally just a bit for our group text. It's not for the world. Oh, I yeah. thought I confused. I thought it was in the Slack. My bad. Yeah, because he never LOLs at the end of this fucking shit. You think he's serious? 
He's not. He can't be serious. <laughs> Mike I is always saying something in our group text, like, guys, if we get 100 subscribers, like, let's take videos of our feet, like, of us, like, taking our shoes off and put them on. Yeah, every other day, he's like, hey, time to time to post those feet, gang. Well, look, I don't know. I don't know if it's a real thing, but I, I came up with unshoeing, which is, like, unboxing, but for, like, feet. <laughs> For human Which, feet? That's not a... You didn't invent that. I don't know. Tim, that would be a hit with foot fetishists, right? Oh, my God, yeah. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. If it doesn't exist already, it has to exist. It has but to exist. if not, exist. I should be a millionaire. <laughs> I don't... I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to kink shame anybody, but foot fetish has got to be the funniest thing to me. It's just the funniest. See, I'm the like, same, because, like, feet, like, literally to me are the grossest thing and so is then it, i joke about it constantly because yeah. like i just don't understand it it's like the rex yeah. ryan the it was rex ryan right who yeah like, outed himself yeah. as that i also think there there's the highest degree of like people being like well this is normal everyone knows this don't you agree and everyone's like nope and they're like oh i read the room wrong you're like no you didn't you're just you're in too big of a community of foot fetishists and you assume that that's the world which is fine it's fine yeah. I mean, that's like the real liberal bubble, I think. The, <laughs> the foot fetish community. And their leader is Quentin Tarantino, who is just out there trying to get everyone oh, into feet. Oh, Anyways, this is a podcast wait, about basketball. Wait, what the wait, fuck wait, are we talking about? Today? I saw it was. <laughs> wait, I got I gotta talk about this because I like I just feel bad that I'm always showing Lily my phone and being like, look at this, look at this. But uh it's a, saw, he just showed us his phone. It's a bunch of feet. Yeah, no. it was this Quentin Tarantino meme and someone was like, uh, like, uh, you know, this guy's respecting six feet and it's a picture of him with a foot next to his face. <laughs> <laughs> it broke me for like an hour. Uh, uh, Twitter is great because everyone is like the funniest person in the world for one moment. It, that is true. Yeah. It is true. Everyone gets a shot at being the funniest person in America or the world. Yeah. I like to I like to play the different roles every day. Like my weekly, you know how you know what I mean. Like old people have that like um, they're like week of pills mm -hmm. that we that weekday pit, but it's like Twitter styles for me. Ooh, nice. You know? Like Monday, I'm like uh, I'm like woke woke boy. You feel me? Mm -hmm. Then Tuesday, it gets a little more male feminist. Then Wednesday, I do a 360. I go hotep mode. <laughs> Some would Day say four, that, like, that is just woke, woke boy and hotep mode are very similar. Oh, they're yeah. very similar, but they will scrap. No, if I you, there's a way to, uh, to, to, to cross those paths the wrong way for sure. Yeah. Yeah, don't yeah don't mention like uh you know the wrong kind of potato salad you know what i'm saying in the wrong thread you feel me <laughs> yeah don't get too horny for potato salad on maine on a monday <laughs> you know what me and Bra me and brandon were talking about you know what's wild is like the di the main difference between white twitter and black twitter is like how they uh deal with horniness <laughs> Yeah, y'all ever notice that? Like black Twitter's like, yo, I need some head right now. <laughs> and then white Twitter's like, uh the the civil rights stats in Massachusetts <laughs> are a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the the ultimate example of of white horniness uh uh 
being like performative wokeness is that dude from the orange is the new black did you guys ever what's that guy's name shit which dude orange blackman Jason the guy Bates? the guy that plays the 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 prison guard Oh, like Liev Sh- uh, Paulo Schreiber. Paulo Schreiber is uh, performatively woke for horny horniness sake on Twitter, and it is really? hilarious. Yeah, that may, that adds up. And he played like a crazy serial killer guy on SVU. Yeah, he's he's racking it up. <laughs> Anyways, this is very he's, niche. He's getting it both ways. <laughs> All right, one, once again, this is a podcast about basketball. Tim, I feel like we have to let we have to let Tim just like like let out his stats for the last answer. He's gonna like explode. I know that's what I was. Yeah, time. that's exactly what I was gonna say. Tim, I'm you're uh, you're a Chicago uh, native. Uh, you obviously uh, love the Bulls, love Michael Jordan. You have a lot of thoughts. Let's just give you the floor for I don't know forty two minutes to <laughs> say anything you want. Well, sounds good. So I, I obviously like I grew up with these teams, so a, a huge part of rewatching this was like you know nostalgia, remembering where I was you know during the triple overtime Suns finals game, uh, you know reliving some of Jordan's uh, I don't I mean the guy's layup package was ridiculous and doesn't get enough credit. There's a lot of stuff like That's that true. where I'm like oh right. The feeling that we had, like the overwhelming sense of dominance has never been paralleled. The only thing that I can parallel that dominance to is Rafael Nadal at the French Open. That's the only thing since Jordan has left sports that we think, well, it's a done deal. That's it. There's nothing else. Not Tom Brady, not Patriots. Like they've, everyone has proven that they can lose on the big stage, except maybe Nadal at the French. Um, I would say also Tiger for like 18 months. Good point. And and golf, like, even though like <laughs> you're gonna give him 18 months, this is long, like years yeah. of dubs. Yeah, but like golf is also like insane to be like that dominant. And like I feel like that 18 month run that Tiger had, even though he lost some like in the previous years prior, it was like a dominance level of like you just turned on the TV and was like surprised if they weren't yeah, winning. But like golf is closer to darts or bocce ball than it is to basketball like it's not a true athletic pursuit a, in the same way that's a big time shot we're going right at our republican <laughs> base we're going right at our hey all of our barstool listeners uh the thoughts and views you just heard are mike benner's oh. hey and mike benner's alone. hey uh fucking presidente why don't yeah. you go uh fucking suck yourself <laughs> off in in hell we hate you go away <laughs> Golf is not a sport. I said it. Well, okay. Portnoy uh, has left I'm going to stand up for golf real fast. <laughs> this Jewish Bernie bro is going to just ride for golf real fast and say, not that bad and pretty hard. Pretty hard to do. Are That's you just it. thinking That's... about uh, Bagger Vance? Are you not thinking about real golf? Are you thinking about the movie Legend of Bagger Vance? Uh, I would. I, I'm not talking golf, to you, Peter. <laughs> Peter, <laughs> Peter, remember like the six months where like you would take me to the Los Feliz Nine and like get oh, get yeah. me high and we were like drink beers and like what a time to be alive. I was as good as you. <laughs> like at golf. <laughs> That's a very interesting way to remember it. I think that the important part of that story is also I got you drunk and high. <laughs> so maybe you thought you were. It's true. It's true. That is valid. <laughs> but there was a there was a period where like you you took me golfing a bunch at the municipal golf course and uh you would be like wow you're actually like a natural at this like I've, you are you were great yeah 
Uh, that's why I don't consider golf a sport. Because <laughs> you're Mike, good at it? What if Mike, it was it your was a... destiny, you fucking idiot? <laughs> First of all, it was a par three. So let's just get that out of the way. So it's like basically putt-putt. It's like closer to putt-putt than it is to real golf. Uh, but you were great. Whatever. Golf <laughs> is closer to bocce ball than it is to basketball. All right, we were talking. We were, all right, Tim was like, we were giving Tim the floor yeah. for 45 minutes. Come what happened on. to that? So, Rafael Nadal is the right. only real comp to Jordan, is your I point. In, term, in terms of dominance, that sense yeah. of like, it's inevitable, they're going to crush you. We haven't felt that in basketball at the very least, if we just limit it to that. Um, and uh, I think that that was the oh, like big picture, like 10,000 feet. That's watching all the episodes. That's the thing that I was like, oh, I forgot that feeling. Because we just haven't really had that feeling since. I mean, side note, I'm a massive Nadal fan. He's one of my favorite top three athletes. Um, but the uh, other two? Over Federer. The other, the other two, Alonzo Mourning. Um, and probably Scottie Pippen. Scottie Pippen was probably my first favorite basketball player. And then Jordan would be, I mean, you know, I'd say top four. Just put Jordan in there because obviously everyone loved Jordan. And Mark Grace would fill out my top five probably. Um you know, Alonzo Mourning is uh, a great choice, and I, I think, and as a side note, we'll we'll get back to the last stand thoughts. Uh, I think he is entirely overlooked by a for how good he fucking was, and b like he redefined big man in the NBA like bef- like a little bit before Shaq, right? Yeah, and a big reason that he did. Well, first of all, he was ranked number one at his position as a high school player all four years, which was the first time that ever happened. Um, obviously, in the mid to late eighties. Then he chooses Georgetown. He could have gone anywhere. Obviously, he's the number one player in the country. Um, he could have gone anywhere. He chooses Georgetown, and Matumbo is already there. So he has to slide from the five to the four at a time where that wasn't really something you ever. You didn't have to make that concession. He could have gone anywhere, mm-hmm. and he picks he picks Georgetown, and a lot of that has to do with his backstory, him growing up which is wild. Like he chooses, Virginia had this weird law where, where the child during a divorce custody battle could actually choose where they went, not the parent. And he elected at 11 years old to put himself into foster care instead of going with either parent, because he was like, I know that I have a future. uh, Those are both going to be unstable environments. I'm going to go with this woman who's a foster mother uh, in our community who had like 20 foster kids and he at 11 he had the maturity and awareness to do that that's fucking wild yeah what is alonzo morning up to right now he runs a charity organization he i mean that does a ton of work that created a high school that has like 95 percent like college placement rate or something crazy like that that's Um, so fucking cool yeah he he's 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 incredible he's incredible i love him so much but yeah i think that he um uh he ends up you know, naturally becoming like, uh, uh, not a three point shooting stretch five, although now he would be obviously like he had the range then he just didn't, the, the game didn't call for it. Uh, but because of playing under Matumbo, that's my point. Um, he was able to come into the NBA with like more of a shooter's touch. And he, he like, that was another thing. Uh, some podcast we were talking about, Oh, it was the Wilbon uh, low post one or something like that. We was talking about Jordan having a beef against morning. And, um, because Wilbon was writing a story about Morning, but Morning like came out of the gates like crushing it. He obviously wasn't going to win Rookie of the Year because Shaq was so good and the hype was so real and he met the hype. But like he had a case for a little while during that season to be co co Rookie of the Year. I and talk. I imagine I just had like 
18 years of like wonderful living in Miami. I bet. Oh, I can't. It also was wild to me during the last dance to just really kind of be 25, 30 years away from 90s basketball and truly kind of look back at how much the three pointer was devalued. <laughs> like, it's one yeah. thing to think about it, you know, just it's kind of changed over the last five years. But it was just so stark at how many aggressive, like, Thir- like 12 to 18 footers were taken with like such like confidence and bravado and then like celebration from like Bob Costas, <laughs> like everyone. I was like, wow, look at that mid range. Yep. Incredible. And those would be like the huge turning points of the game too, you know? Yeah. They'll like highlight it and they'll be like, and then it came down to Wennington's 17 footer. <laughs> oh, it did. Oh no. Like, <laughs> oh shit. No wonder it felt like a roll of the dice. Uh, <laughs> Well, it is funny to like think like we like without examining anything, you think of like Larry Bird as like a sharpshooter, like three point threat. Like he averaged like 1.5 three point attempts in his career. <laughs> like he like, yeah, there, it was they, they weren't thinking smart, man. No, it, they were working harder, not smarter. Well, also, it seemed like you only like made a three if you were like trying to like get desperate at the end of the game or like someone pissed you off and you wanted to just like shoot a three to like tell them to go fuck themselves. But it was, it was learned behavior too, because high school and college didn't have a three point line. So mentally they just didn't have the imagination to even think that way. Cause they'd grown up coaches had like, it's all they'd ever known. And these players, like it was new to them too. But as kids, they grew up being like, well, you never do. You'd never play that way. So, right. Yeah. If you were if you shot more than like three three pointers in a game, it's because you weren't hung over and the rim wasn't moving. Like that's how it was in the eighties. <laughs> Wait, let me get to some of these stats now. Cause this is Okay, yeah, let's get into it. So honestly, I the first like stat hole that I went down was Jordan's sophomore year, that that second season with the Bulls. So 85-86, the one where he injures his foot and he only plays 18 games. Cause I they focused on it way more than than when it was than how it was covered in Chicago media and historically how it's been looked at. I didn't realize he had a 14 minute time restriction. That shocked me because he still averaged like 22 points a game that year or something like that. Um, and then the year after that is the year where he goes nuts and he averages 37.1 points per game, which is absurd. And then the year after that, he averages 35.3 something like that. So I. All right. Yeah. Hold on, Benner. Now, now, Benner, now you tell Tim why LeBron is better than Mike and everything he's saying. So, <laughs> no, I'm, look, that was, we already covered this on a podcast. We, okay. We went last week, Tim, like stat for stat line, career point wise. Uh, and I think Peter and I both landed LeBron is better. Jamel obviously feels differently. But yeah, well, go on. We can even it out because I think no, it's not even close. Because if you if you put MJ in this era, he's got competition and sports science. If you take LeBron down an era, he doesn't have sports science, so you, you actually can't predict. It's easier to predict what MJ would do and and upgrade his stats, 
you take LeBron back, I think you kind of have to downgrade his stats. If you have less sports science, I would also say, though, like the level of competition and though has to also be factored into that sliding scale too. Like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. And honestly, I would never try to hijack any podcast with a LeBron Jordan debate because it's endless <laughs> and it's been covered. Why? What else we got to talk yeah, about? Yeah, we got nothing else. But here's my thing. LeBron James, uh, <laughs> he's six foot 10, 300 pounds. If you move him back to the And 80s, the fastest guy on the floor. And the fastest person. Like, he's just like... He's a freak athlete that, like, would he have? Been I think that that is one that, clear though. thing that he has over Jordan is Wait. size, strength, speed. Yeah, in a vacuum, in absolute zero conditions, this is not. I he mean, would never do that. LeBron's also, LeBron's childhood would not. He would not be groomed in earlier environments to become the player that he is if you put him back in that era. He wouldn't. Also, like, if he, let's what, say competition, what, what, let's say competition mean? is like, actually he, measurable. Are you just saying like like? He, like he, technology of the eighties would he wouldn't have been as good. He grew up semi homeless in the nineties. Like I yeah. don't understand. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? He grew up with AAU club ball. He from like at what age do people say LeBron is the anointed one? 13? 14? 14, Yeah, about fourteen. Four, or 15. Fourteen, fifteen officially. But before then, people are like, "Yo, get this guy in this high school and make sure that he's covered with these things." Like that's not going to happen. Prior to that, you know, but if you put him in the 80s, he would have just somebody would have found him somebody would have found and him. he would have played ball at, you know, uh, Christian Polytechnical, you know, yeah. and then went to fucking, th- you know, I think there's a, University. there's a lot of variables like you can't you can't predict it. But if it, that's why it's harder to take current era, current era players and put them backwards, because there's variables that are immeasurable. Unmeasurable. I mean, I, and, I think you could argue it's, it's safe to say that Jordan had like, without a doubt, the most will and work ethic. Yeah. Of, of maybe anyone ever but also like you can't like also diminish lebron's like physical gifts as probably so, just like the most the most gifts ever so here's here's my question because I, I don't disagree with you but i also think that jordan has a gift that does trump lebron's many plethora of gifts a gambling so if, addiction if, yeah if you had... is it is it is it bending cards <laughs> no it's what you just said it's it's competition it's work ethic it's like the dedication to win the will he would have killed he would have strangled paul pierce at mid-court yeah. paul pierce paul pierce would have been paul pierce would have been like who would paul paul pierce have been a cop for jordan he would we, have literally he would have fully shit his pants all the way down to the ground. <laughs> yeah michael jordan would have taken that wheelchair and threw him down a hill Fuck like mac and me like <laughs> if you had one game between mj and lebron right their teams are playing each other the teams are pretty evenly matched one game who are you and and your life is on the line? Who are you betting LeBron. on? LeBron. You're nuts. You're fucking Miguel, nuts. Give me Miguel no Jordan. No way. No way. My life is on the line. LeBron. I want the guy who's going to uh, give Bron the death stare. I want the guy who's going to stare LeBron down at the free throw line. LeBron. Well, how about this? Pick what LeBron. age is LeBron? It pick peak Mike. Pick peak LeBron. LeBron wouldn't pick LeBron with his own life on the line. He wouldn't do it. He would pass to Michael. He is a passer. He's a, He's a passer. passer. I I personally uh, don't care if I live or die, so I'm going with LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to die at this game? <laughs> if I if I die in like at at when the horn blows at the end of the fourth quarter in a game between Michael Jordan and LeBron, that's the perfect time to go. <laughs> it gets no better. Yeah, I will die. 
I don't care who wins that game. It's the peak of my life. Well, the, but also in this scenario, do they have the exact same talent around them? Or is it like I think you'd have to say that their teams well he, well again that's why it's impossible and endless to argue this stuff because you switch them up you switch up the role players LeBron has Bill Winnington uh, Jordan gets uh, Zadrunas uh, okay you know we start working that way uh, the, uh, Jordan gets Booby Gibson uh, LeBron gets fucking uh, uh, B J Armstrong <laughs> who gets Horace Grant uh, they split him in half well yeah. perfect. Well, you give LeBron like Harvey. The, like in the Bible. Give LeBron Harvey Grant. Do yeah. Any, <laughs> they should each get so, one of the Grant uh, siblings. Jeremy yeah. Grant and... Uh, what's the other Durian Grant in the Grant? league right now? Jerian. Brian Grant? No, Jerian. Yeah. Oh, Jerian, yeah. yeah. They each get one of those. It's a coin <laughs> yeah. flip. And they, and yeah. Then, yeah. I, and then they both have to bring back Grant Land. Well, here... The, why, I think, <laughs> why I think Will is a, an important factor and a deciding factor is... Uh, it, like no matter what you can say about like this era's style of play versus that era's style of play, uh, there are great people, great players, and great teams in all those eras, right? So how mm-hmm. is this player relative to their own era? Jordan erased the greatness of all these Hall of Fame players. LeBron has let some of them win titles. Yeah, but so he didn't okay, so the well, Mavs didn't I, win. I think so the Spurs we have didn't to win, acknowledge plus that win competition it. level is better now uh, uh, I can't I don't think that you can say competition level is better without saying that sports science is better without saying that LeBron has benefited so much from sports science and therefore has an unfair advantage when you're comparing fine we can say that it's still but it's still like Michael Jordan had maybe three other like legitimate contenders lebron has to deal with like eight contenders no no you think that because jordan erased their legacies jordan destroyed yes, them so thoroughly that you're yes, like ewing wasn't shit barkley yes, wasn't shit stockton and malone thank weren't you, shit Tim. peyton and kent weren't shit all these other eastern thank conference you. teams weren't shit the east that he played against was the fucking light years better than lebron's east eight in a row yeah. fucking against crap teams <laughs> against who the pacers the pacers once took him to the distance fire these niggas that's up, Tim. it man no one else he got challenged in the east twice twice he was so scared of playing kobe he could have beaten the celtics himself in 2010 he fucking took a shit before facing kobe and getting destroyed in the finals because he knew his team couldn't beat the lakers no Ooh. no hey, now is the time no, that's- for us to reveal our special guest tim's brother-in-law everyone <laughs> no uh-uh that i here here's the other thing people were like oh the expansion teams okay well lebron starts his career with an influx of high school student like high school players that don't have the benefit of any college formation now he's in a one and done era Jordan, yes, he has those expansion teams, but he's getting three, four-year college players that are coming to the league ready without European players that also go bust. That's the second chapter of LeBron's career. So you want to talk about like where the league is at, whether it's soft or not. Don't even get me started on defensive rules. Don't get me started. LeBron. He didn't even say defensive say rules. Defensive He's been roasting you niggas oh, for 15 minutes. Close. He didn't even say you can't touch. You can't touch him. He can lower his shoulder into everybody. They changed the rules for Shaq. They didn't change the rules for LeBron. That's not Ooh. no. But you're telling me that LeBron at six foot ten, three hundred pounds with different defensive rules wouldn't be fucking killing it 
in the but he wouldn't be that big because he wouldn't be lifting weights like that. What? Because nobody did. Jordan, no sports science. Jordan Jordan didn't lift weights until he was thirty. Jordan didn't lift weights until ninety one. And that's why he's a bitch. That's not why he's a bitch. <laughs> it's why he beat Detroit. <laughs> also, baseball. Oh my god! I feel Tim's energy to murder. No, you I, might go hold on. Right. All right, that's wait, why. All that's right. why. I wait, don't, Tim. Yeah, go Tim. Ahead, last yeah, word. Yeah. Finish, finish him off, please. No, go for it. Go for it. You get no. That's you, man. I just, I just I, forgot that I uh, turned you guys against each other like that. <laughs> I, honestly, I, there, my my last word on it is like it's 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 not it's not bad to be clearly the second best player in the history of the game. <laughs> why do you have to say that he would beat Mike? He wouldn't beat him. He wouldn't beat him. He's awesome. He has some of the most gifts ever. Blah, 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 blah. But adjusted to eras, it's an impossible argument. You can't make it. Everything's done in absolute zero. I think if if you actually want to look at it, you have to look at what he did to an era. Jordan played for a long time, and he did that to an era. He decimated their legacies. A lot of players that are concurrent with LeBron, they have nice legacies. They have some nice legacies in that in that run. Some 15 years of players with some nice legacies. Jordan? Nope. Just Hakeem. That's it. Two years he didn't play. Just Hakeem. That's it. And people and people don't even like to talk about Hakeem. They, people get mad when you say Hakeem's good. Yeah. I, but again, like Hakeem I Hakeem has actually like is But are you think but do you think if you put LeBron, if you just did like a freaky Friday situation and you dropped LeBron into the Bulls in nineteen like eighty seven? Uh-huh. That he doesn't win the exact same amount of titles. Is so LeBron they, they, Jamie Lee think they perform Curtis worse in this Freaky Friday? <laughs> if, uh, I mean, as long as he's that? got a pass to Jim Corzine, he ain't winning shit in '87. <laughs> right. Well, starting in like basically '90. Like, well, is it you? So, do you take away like, sports science and weightlifting? Do you thin his body I out? And then strong you, argument, but I think I think the, the more times you say sports science, the more it weakens the argument. I don't think so. Well. I love because, it. So you have so, no, I, because, so first I, off, I love science more now. First off, he doesn't load he doesn't load manage. So you have all that that many more miles on his body. Uh he's getting his head taken off by Detroit, by Philly, by Boston. Um, anytime he goes out west, they're they're running him ragged. Like he but has to does play defense. He get his head taken off. He's again, yeah, I mean, again, like, LeBron, he is like gigantic like, compared to the players in that era. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No. He's six foot ten, three hundred pounds. He's bigger <laughs> and stronger you than all those eight players. There, there are less. You keep saying six ten. Wait, because so, so he's there, listed at six eight, but he's actually six ten. So there are no centers back then. So we're taking all the centers out of that era. We're taking Lambeer out. We're taking Rick Mahorn out. We're Lambeer taking... is like is like maybe seven feet, but like two hundred and fifteen pounds. LeBron is so much bigger and stronger than all those LeBron dudes. LeBron James is seven. Feet eighteen inches. Yes, so, thank you, Jamel. So they, so they would thousand pounds. So, so you're saying that they would look at him and they'd be like, "Wow, the way that we play the game is no easy layups. If he gets in the air, we take him out. We cut his legs out from under him. The flagrant fouls don't exist. But they look at, they take one look at LeBron and they go, "But don't do it to him." Yes, yeah, so that's exactly. No, what I'm they saying. wouldn't do that. They fucking take him out. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Everything is this like. I'm not saying they don't go at him. I'm just saying like they go LeBron at him. They go at him for 82 durable. games. He doesn't get 15 games off because of his back or because he's pissed at his GM. Mm, ooh, ooh. He might. 
and he doesn't and, and he doesn't get to do that for 12 years. He has to play those 15 games for 12 more years and he gets attacked and no one calls a flagrant and no one and he doesn't get to put his shoulder down into someone because if he does they grab the top of his head and they slam him to the ground. Because that's but what they know, did if you lost your momentum. Is what if all of this uh, oh. uh, violence on the floor turns LeBron into like a killer maniac, literally? That a serial is also killer true. who actually if he can people. dish it back out, now, like, yeah. now, now everyone maybe, would die. But that also takes a toll on your body. <laughs> if you're approaching the game that way, that then so you're saying then he becomes I'm not even talking about play. I'm talking about LeBron James turning into Dexter and serial killing <laughs> niggas in the street. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Like, what? You know, okay, okay. Seasons so, one through four, uh, Dexter. Michael yes. Jordan, in the 90s versus LeBron James with a gun in the 90s. <laughs> Who's the better player? Let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. If Sweet. LeBron James gets to shoot people on the court, is he better than Jordan? Wait, this is what's that Adam Sandler Damon Wayans movie? Oh, I know oh, what you're talking uh, about. Last Boy Scout. Last, Last Boy, Boy Scout, Scout is incredible. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. Last Boy Scout style. Yeah, then he then he wins. But he well. I don't want to keep that metaphor going because then he turns the right, gun well, on himself. Yeah, then, then it's settled. LeBron <laughs> with a gun I, I is think, the goat. Like I think it's unknow. I think it's unknowable. I, it's unknowable, man. All, all that's why six and zero versus you know three and five in the finals is such a is such a big thing. The, and I know that you have you know deserved blinders on as I do for <laughs> LeBron. Seeing him see seeing him grow up. Like I I I I can acknowledge bias mind myself. And with you, which is fine. That's because like you should be like you like if you if you were honestly if you if you didn't rep this hard, then like you're probably a sociopath to not like to experience all of that in the 90s and not like ride like this. So I respect I respect the approach. Yeah, I I am curious, though, as an adult with the last dance and the kind of subsequent Jordan, you know, criticism and kind of his own kind of writing his own doc. Did that kind of taint any of the kind of ride or die mentality you have for him or that team at all? Or did it shine any different kind of perspective on it? And I'm not saying this to like, I'm just curious if like that aspect of it as like an adult or kind of seeing it through this lens has like a more penetrable effect on kind of his humanity more so than kind of that, like how they brushed over like the food poisoning or yeah, that's a great gambling point. and stuff. And, and I'm just kind of curious. And again, about that yeah, because kind of th- it skipped over a lot of stuff. It doesn't talk about Craig Hodges. It doesn't talk about like people that saved certain series. Like Paxson, Paxson gets the only shine, and Kerr gets a little bit because he's a figure. But Bobby Hansen doesn't get any love, you know. Um, like there were key figures. Like Rodman played his ass off and kind of saved the '96 Finals. They don't talk about Sean Kemp at all and how good he was and how Rodman like finally showing up for a couple games like saved that series. Uh, so there's like, but really, look, Jordan's ego is ten episodes big for the last dance. We need 10 more episodes without that to cover either the same stuff or the storylines that got dropped. But he, here's one of the, the criticisms that people are coming away with from Jordan. Uh, if, if they weren't like, cause Jordan was omnipresent in Chicago media. So if you grew up with that, you knew this about his personality. Like, it's not a shock to me that, that over 10 episodes, he still keeps the control of that. And that I'm not coming away from it thinking like, well, that shows me a different part of his personality. I already knew that, but he went six and zero. So, but you're like, yeah, I get that. That's part of his personality. Does that have effect on a younger generation of people, a generation of sports fans and athletes? Yeah, I think it did. I think there's a reason that the era after him sucked. Everyone was trying to be the man like that. There's a reason why LeBron is 
the player that he is and has achieved the icon status that he has because he hasn't followed that trend. And I respect that. And I've never been a LeBron hater. I just, you know, uh, he's not a hater. He's just keeping it real. Tim, I'm with you. These millennial ass, these dudes, these dudes, they don't get it, man. They don't get it, man. That's, but but your point, like your question is, that's a great question. Like what, how does it change what you think about? It? I think for a lot of Chicago fans that have, that know a lot about Jordan, you're like, no, I mean, obviously, you know what I don't want to see? And I tweeted about this when, when that, uh, this string of commercials came out of like ESPN's next uh, documentary series coming out that Lance Armstrong one, that's one to me where I'm like, no, thank you. he's already had the narrative this whole time. He, he had the narrative when he was lying about cheating. He, then he grabbed the narrative again to say like, here's why I cheated. And this next one's going to be like, yes, I cheated, but I cheated better than everyone. And I was still the best. It's like, I don't fucking need that. Like with Jordan, mm-hmm. the, the narrative has never really changed. He's always been like, yeah, I'm a sociopath when it comes to winning. Nobody wants it more than me. Uh, and he, he may have gambled on games he played in oh. but he never he didn't cheat the win i don't know i don't know if he ever gambled on i don't know the pete rose thing was too big i don't think he did <laughs> no yeah i don't think so either i was just playing around oh, okay. but yeah it is interesting <laughs> that like lance armstrong and tom brady uh are the two next big doc subjects and oh, like no. they're literal cheaters so tom brady is too tom brady yeah, is getting the, a 10-part doc too yeah no oh. while he's still in the league that's od it is the, weird. The Bruce Lee one looks it. Nobody amazing. wanted it. He's boring. The the Bruce Lee documentary looks incredible. Yeah, yeah that actually looks. Wait, nice. I, I still can't wait. That. wait yeah. I still haven't gotten to these stats. Oh, drop some. Oh, here. All right. <laughs> yeah, give us stats. Let's go. <laughs> All right. So that that like his his second year in the league is kind of a lost year, right? But if you look mm-hmm. at thirty seven point one a game in the his third season and thirty five point three a game in his fourth season. Um, if you go for his like per 36 numbers, just like those raw numbers in that second year. Uh, so you, you take his 14 minute time restriction. You just, you just put it up to like what his average would be. We, and obviously like he got injured and part of getting over that injury is what makes him come back score 63 on the playoffs against Boston, go for 37, a game that following year, but still you end up like he would have had a season in between if he'd had a normal second year in the league, he would have had a season in between the 37-point year and the 35-point year. So we basically missed a 36-point-per-game season from Jordan. <laughs> and and then, then, you know, two years after that is the year that he gets Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, MVP of the All-Star Game. Uh, it's, I mean, a lot of those things adjusted for average are, they're nuts. And he, he's playing 82 games He's playing 82 games a year. It's at a time when he has less sports science, medicine, training. There it is. To protect sports science. And restaurants are worse. They don't know shit about how to work with, um, you know, aioli yet. <laughs> I I mean, I yeah, I Pippin, I, I think Pippin, Kukoc, uh, Longley, those are the guys in order that deserved a little bit more shine in it. Um, no, no, Longley was Longley. was one of the, no the worst words. ones because they just was like, "Oh, Longley casually sent this finals game to overtime." Yeah, you're like, it's like really? They're not yeah. gonna just like even say who it was. 
<laughs> what happened? What happened between Mike and Luke Longley? Like, yeah, who knows, man? What happened on their trip to Australia? You know, I think I think it's more about what didn't happen. Like it took Steve Kerr punching Michael Jordan in the face for him to acknowledge that he exists. Like I think Luke yeah, Longley and, and Tony had to survive a civil war. Yeah, so those are pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> Luke Longley just didn't do enough to be a person to Michael Jordan. I, I think. think- that second three-peat, too, Kerr talks about how Jordan just wasn't close to any of the guys on the second three-peat because he was so big that he needed security detail and to be protected. And he lived in a little bubble in those that like last three years with the Bulls. What you don't want to get me into is the Wizards years because I've Let's not. gotten to the saddest point where I'm looking at like the healthy games in that first season and then the games oh with Rip God. Hamilton, and I'm like, oh, God, they would have been the second seed in the East. I <laughs> Jordan going to the Wizards like I think Jordan going to the Wizards like is the reason why I my like my life is in shambles. I don't think he should have come. Yeah, I agree. Of course. Also, like we all agree that your life is in shambles, Jamel. <laughs> yeah, no Thanks, one is bro. disagreeing with you that. Yeah, <laughs> nobody stopped me and said things are fine. Y'all know, y'all know my shit is fucked up right now, and I think I can trace it back to when he had to play. Wait, goddamn, uh, uh, fucking Popeye Jones. <laughs> he played with Popeye Jones. Uh, Popeye Jones is a real fucking player. <laughs> Was there, yeah. let me ask you guys this. Is there, and uh, I know you probably covered it already in last week's, but is there anything else that kind of, that you were like, oh, why didn't they talk more about that? For me, it was let Harper talk more get more from harper and give ku coach way more love you talk about a guy who would who would be great near dominant in this era um ku coach is a guy yeah. whose prime was robbed because he wanted to actually stay closer to home during the civil war the civil war was happening he was like i should be nearby that- it just felt like the competitiveness of jordan like as like a, a person and an athlete suppressed the best parts of what this documentary should have been like the Ku coach and stuff like that. Also, like, like I, I understand that he hates Jerry Krause, and that's all well and good. And, like, we all hate Jerry Krause now because Michael tells us to. But, like, Jerry Krause deserves, like, a tiny bit of shine for putting together and, like, drafting the people that he did and making the trades. So, like, it was just this kind of, like, absolutism of, like, getting inside of Jordan's head vis-a-vis, like, watching the doc. That did feel like a little unnecessarily dirty to me in hindsight. When yeah. I was in it, I was loving every second of it. But like as we get further away from it too, it's just like, you know, I'm not gonna argue with six and oh, but there is just something about this where like, man, this stuff doesn't age well in anybody. Yep. In terms of someone also kind of setting a narrative for all this too. And that's a dangerous precedent for ESPN too, because I think yeah. they used to have great stuff. Uh, the 30 for 30s were were awesome, but if the if the condition to get this footage and to tell this story is narrative control by the protagonist or antagonist, propaganda, story, yeah, it, it it's it disappears from their original intent with 30 for 30, which already could be improved upon. Yeah, it's a bummer because some of these are going to be like event event television, and then people that don't know any better are going to be like, "That's what a documentary is." And like, no, it's not. I mean, I think they should. I think they should actually just do a doc on the two years he's gone. Let's get real. Let's get into it. Let's give Vernon Maxwell. Let's make Vernon Maxwell the protagonist for a fucking change. 
I do want to say shout out to Vernon Maxwell and all the other players who like uh, have have responded to the last dance by being like fuck Jordan, like <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm finally coming out and saying it. Like this guy was a piece of shit. Uh, Robert Parrish also was like, you know, uh, I think like overlooked member of the '97 team, right? Uh, I mean, they didn't mention him or John Sally. He had a bunch of dudes that he beat on those that second three piece. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, Robert Parrish told the story after the last episode aired, where he was just like, "Yeah, Michael Jordan like tried to uh, like bully me and fight me in a practice once, and I told him fucking do it, bitch, and then he left me alone." <laughs> and uh, he was like, he he said, I think the quote was like. Like I've been around, I've got rings. I'm not enamored with you like these other idiots. Fucking yep. do it. And yep. then like Michael Jordan left him alone. He's the like Jordan kind of takes it further than everything else. And he learned in that eighties era too, you know? Like I I think that part of it is part of it is his like the makeup of his character, you know, the the guy who's that competitive and who has the will to win and the dedication and work ethic, but also like you put the pistons in front of him and he has to ramp that up to 11 in order to get over the top. And then he can't think of any other way to do it. And then he takes two years off and comes back and is like, now I have to ramp it up, crank it up even more to win. Uh, and he's isolated on that team. He doesn't know anyone. He's like the equation of it all makes sense. Um, and I think the equation is also like it's overlooked and a lot of criticism hasn't been sent his way because of six and zero. like that. 6-0 and does a lot to mute these conversations. And yeah. in, in a weird way, now the last stance has like reopened some of these conversations where it both shows his greatness, but his narrative control. Like you could make the argument that if he hadn't had control, he would come off looking better. If there were people trashing him, they, then you would have more empathy for him. And you'd be like, Absolutely. but he's 6-0. I agree. 100%. I agree with that. It, it would give a fuller picture biggest, of the man. Yes. Yep. But that isn't that weird. His biggest mistake. Isn't that yeah. weird that like his own worst enemy, his his own worst enemy helped him go six and zero. Like being his own worst enemy helped him do that, and so he never learned the lesson. Like he's like a guy who, like if he comes back for ninety nine, if Jordan had been beaten finally, taken off the pedestal with the Bulls, with one of those big teams, would he have changed? Would his legacy be different? Would his attitude be different? Would he finally be able to say like, "Yo, they took me out. Good for them." His attitude well, is also yeah, totally in Knicks... alignment of like the same way where he's like, I don't have a gambling problem because I never run out of money. <laughs> it's like, yeah, dude, because like there's like a, a a constant FedEx box of cash being dropped off from Nike every like three weeks. Like that doesn't mean you don't have a gambling problem. It just means that like it's never been consequential to you. It's yeah. also similar to like how he just was like, um, Oh yeah, Gary Payton, one of the greatest defenders of all time, like one of like who won defensive player of the year that year, uh who like when I played him in the finals and he was my primary defender, like my stats went way down. Yeah. Uh I didn't give a shit about Gary Payton. My dad died and you're just like, oh, well like how do you fucking argue against that? Like it's clear that Gary Payton affected your game but you can't like argue against someone and be like my dad died you know like <laughs> like the greatest defender of all time took your stats down but you can't admit that you need to find this other excuse uh, 
Akeem is the greatest defender of all time. Next question, okay. uh, 99. <laughs> Who would have won? First off, if Jordan comes back, is there no strike? Who wins? Is it New York? Is it Indiana? Is it San Antonio anyway? These are your three options, gentlemen. Now go. Who's going first? I'll, I'll go. I'll go I first because I. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, let's. Well, let's. I'll let, just let's get let Tim close it out. I'm gonna. Please. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go first. I'm gonna say, uh, if the Bulls get it all back together, then yes, they have a, a legit shot at winning. Although I do think Dennis Rodman was like seriously over the hill already in '98. So like, I don't know if he's as much of a factor. Uh, coming back but it's 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 the bulls uh or the spurs i think the bulls take it 60 percent over the spurs 40. i think the pacers take it because the bulls at that point would just have been vulnerable enough for the reasons you said also scotty's really coming starting to come down to earth and they kind of were the that team that like like that older team who's gonna like pass the buck to the younger team and I feel like the Pacers kind of would have had that focus of like all we have to focus on is working our ass off for every single moment to beat this team. Like the same montage, just like swapping the jerseys. So I would have gone, I think, yeah, I think that definitely would have. I would, I would go with the Pacers. I mean, blend of blend of both. Cause I I I think that the aura of invincibility, maybe they upgrade Rodman that offseason, but the 50 game sprint, like the fact that they could have uh that they could have like limped to the playoffs and just focused their attention. I, I, I still think like heavyweights, they just would have been like, okay, we only, we need one knockout punch for Indiana and we need one knockout punch for whoever comes out of the West. I, I would give, I think it probably would have been Spurs bulls and, and I would have leaned bulls, but again, you don't know. I didn't think that way before this, to be honest, I was like, thank God they didn't, they didn't come back in 99. That was my thought before this. I kind of have been talked into, well, I don't know, never underestimate a champion. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm glad they didn't, I'm obviously. I'm saying the Knicks win. The Knicks win it all over the Spurs anyway. Jeff Van Gundy ascends to heaven immediately after the final whistle blows. <laughs> I think the Bulls would have had a tough time with Duncan and Robinson. Hell yeah, because they didn't have, they never had two bigs that was like that. Yeah, and especially not if Rodman's on uh, WCW Nitro. Oh god, <laughs> that that was like re reliving that. I think the documentary like makes it positive, and it was almost all negative back then. You're like, right? I think it was a real. It's yeah. It the craziest part is that Jordan, like, doesn't seem to care. He's making a joke of it. And then you remember like, oh, Jordan is like getting hammered every night and showing up to practice hungover. Like he can't, like he can't, he literally can't be mad at Dennis Rodman for, for what he did. Cause it's like, he's doing very similar shit. Right. Yeah. And that, that like, that was part of the circus and Jordan could, let it happen because he wasn't really part of the team. He was just a, the satellite outside of the team. Oh yeah, that's like a good point. Like and he just was kind of yeah. So he's like, it affected everyone else more. It affected the organization. Like the media hated Rodman. The media was like, this guy's a clown. This is a sideshow. He was a huge part of it being like such a circus for the whole like three peat. Um, they used to. Did you know the story that they used to pay Rodman to not shower when they played against teams with like really good power forwards or guys that Rodman would defend. 
Yeah, they'd <laughs> so pay for him to fucking stunk to like pay, bother the other guy. They'd be like, "We're gonna don't shower. We're gonna put you in a separate mode of transportation apart from the team. Just show up and stink against like this player." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sh- show up and stink. Is- Larry Johnson out of the gym. <laughs> Yeah. Show up and stink is like my basketball strategy, anyways. That's fair. Um, That's super fair, guys. We we have uh, we thought this was going to be a podcast about Chicago PD. It ended up being about the oh, last dance again. Wait, totally different. I, yeah. I got to tell uh, you, is, my, no, we we yeah. I got to give you the Chicago PD story. Oh, get, okay. Let's wrap this up with a Chicago PD yeah. story. All right. So they yeah. Hold on. Bang. Boom. Uh, Tim. <laughs> Uh, you know what I'm saying? Add some sort of uh, uh, do or die song over the put Pope Pimp over this part right here. About 12 seconds of Pope Pimp right Tim here. Tim is also the uh, name of our editor. Yeah, too. Tim is oh, our so editor, yeah. not just our guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot there's two. Yeah, I forgot there's two Tims. Hey, Tim, both Tims. I love you both. Uh, something very important has happened to me this quarantine. Uh, I have uh, been bonding with my family, particularly my dad, and I found out that we both love Chicago PD. As you gentlemen both know, huge PD head. I'm all about it. And you know who else? I, you know who I found out last week loves the show as well? My patron saint of turntness, John Wall. He was on all the smoke, and they were like, what are you watching? And he said, Chicago PD in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that this has given you the courage to like admit it, because I feel like you, uh, listeners know that you're a big like procedural fan, but this is, this is me. you've never been a public like Chicago Universe fan. You love Chicago yeah, PD. You show. love Chicago Medical. I don't love Chicago men. Take that okay, back. Sorry. I love Chicago Fire and I love Chicago PD. Okay. And I did watch Chicago Justice, but some of them episodes was trash. Anytime they try to do like a law and order style thing and it's about like just like just some rich kid uh getting killed because they uh you know what I'm saying it was like going to a mountain or some shit, like that's weak, okay? <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, give you crimes, give you arson, and that's all you want. Yeah. yeah. Give me the good. Give me the work, okay? Okay. Just clear out the lane. So Jamel has teed you up, Tim. Tell us your Chicago PD story. So this is the first episode of TV that I ever filmed. This was the first episode of TV that I ever booked in the room. I, I booked Veep, but it was in this weird back doorway, and then we filmed it after uh, after Chicago PD. So I get I get outfitted. It's like ten degrees below zero. Uh, we're out there in our like officer uniforms. Um, the main dude, Hank, rolls up. It's a Monday morning. And, dude, this guy this guy sounds like he's been out all weekend. And they're like, his his name is Jason. Uh, I forget his last name. Uh, the gay. Yeah, yeah. The god. Uh, so they're like, they all call him Jay. And they're like, Jay, how you doing, man? Pretty early on a Monday. And he's like, uh, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> so they, they had all these consultants on the show that were Chicago police officers. And he's like, yeah, I went out with the blah, blah, blah. You know, like we hit it pretty hard this weekend. And like the, the, all these, all these like actual Chicago police, uh, like police officers who were just standing there, just like jacked, no jacket on 10 below zero. They're like, yeah, we took Jay out. We got him fucked up real good. 
And I'm sitting there and there's these four Hispanic extras that are all have all been executed in this park, you know? And so they're all sitting there freezing their asses off, covered in fake blood, looking up at us like, can we fucking get going? And these cops and, and Jason are just like joking yes. around about getting fucked up. That was the that was the first day. And then the second day we filmed all these, I probably had like two or three other scenes that got cut. And they got cut because LaRoyce Hawkins was kind of like the fifth, sixth guy down on the team. And uh, I watched I watched the first three seasons. I loved the show too. It was like a bit of Chicago because I had yeah. just moved to LA after I filmed that episode. So I was like, oh, I'll watch Chicago PD. It becomes my thing. Uh, like reminds me of home, even though it's not a great representation of Chicago. It's just crime. Um, it's just all like Hispanic dudes getting murdered in a park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it reminds me of home. <laughs> yeah, uh, for the most part. And then just like some like some shoddy police work, some people getting thrown in cages. Yeah, you know they get a little loose. A little loose. So we film these scenes, and and then I, I you know, like I, I watched the episode. The episode's the ninth episode of season one. And as I've been watching season one, I realized that like LaRoyce's character is is kind of they had set up this side gig for him. And I was part of the side gig. I was a uh, like a officer that's like, hey, man, I don't approve of that. I'm a Christian cop. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I remember this storyline because he was like running a club. He was like a club promoter. Oh, my God. And the, the director, while they were while they were filming it, the director's like laughing at the stuff that I'm doing. So I think. Like they don't, none of it has aired, you know, NBC hasn't said, Hey, this is clearly the direction of the show. So I think there were some mixed signals and they thought like, maybe it could get funny every once in a while. So we'll put this blonde dude in as a cop, as a Christian cop. And the director's like, you know, he's laughing at shit and he's like, that's great. That's great. And then the episode comes out and like half this stuff has been cut. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I realized they've slowly been cutting poor LaRoyce's storyline throughout all of season one. And then he ended up, he gets built up in later seasons, but that first season, like his C, he was the C storyline in most episodes and they just fucking cut all of it out. Hell dude. Oh, I remember early Chicago PD. They did try to, because Amy Morton, the fucking mom from like rookie of the year. Yeah. Is funny. I saw her and dude, I smoked a cigarette with her after seeing her in August Osage on Broadway. Whoa. Yeah. She's fun. Great in that. Dude. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she's like the only funny thing on Chicago PD, but like they would try to lean on that. Like it was like her and uh ah uh, the, the 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 hot brunette one, what's her name? Uh Burgess. Yeah, Burgess. They would always have them be funny. Yep. Yeah. It was it was wild to see that and be like, oh man, these people are damn they're, dude. They're working like eight, ten months out of the year down there. Uh, and then when we did Shrink, we went back and filmed Shrink for CISO and now it lives on the NBC app, obviously. Maybe Peacock at some point. Who knows? <laughs> um not germane to, not yeah. yeah not germane to any of this but uh when nbc was like we're gonna put it on our app i i went to i went to someone at nbc and i was like hey can we cut a promo that makes it look like shrink is part of the dick wolf universe <laughs> <laughs> yeah and just blend blend fire pd med and blend shrink. all of them and chicago shrink, shrink. Kind of shrink. <laughs> yeah just chicago blend shrink it all in sick, but dude. like us being all like you know tongue-in-cheek and dorky Man, and they're like it's crazy how they could just change a show like that like they're like it was supposed to be funny and now it's just now it's just hank voigt killing suspect yep and people being tim, like i'm not okay with this but i'm okay with it <laughs> yeah tim did you make the choice like did were you specifically like when we shoot shrink we have to go to chicago 
Yeah, because we had done it as a an improvised web series in 2011, and mm-hmm. then we turned it into a pilot in 2012. We we won a couple awards at the New York Television Festival that year, and then we pitched it in 2013. We sold it to Pivot, which doesn't exist anymore. It sat in development there for two and a half years because they loved it, but they pivoted out of money. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and then the head of Pivot and his main creative, like Inscripted, ended up at CISO. I had just done a couple seasons of Bajillion Dollar Properties, and they were like, hey, just come here. It's basically a green light. Just come in and pitch it. And we we just joked around for 45 minutes, and the our main EP, the Scottish guy, Patrick Daly, who was like the patron saint of that show, he was like, I got a writer's room. We're doing this. And they're like, what? He's like, people are on planes. It's happening. They're like, uh, okay, eight episodes. And then we just like did it. It's like we It's like we stole it. And we went back to Chicago and that was the condition. It was like, it's got to be in Chicago. That's the tone that we want. It was a huge learning experience, ton of obstacles overcome. But at the end of the day, you sometimes you you only get one shot and you took it, got to do it in Chicago. I do. I, I wish, I hope there's some editor out there that someday just takes it and does it on their own, puts it into the Dick Wolf universe. That really cracked me up. I, uh, if any of yeah. our Patreons are editing freaks, hook that yeah, up. Gonna, Benner might do it. I mean, Benner could do look, it. I'm an, I am a trained editor, but uh, I'm probably not going to do it, Tim. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. I, I I actually, I remember like the day Shrink came out because like I saw someone post about it and uh, it ruined a pilot I was writing. Where I had a pilot with like a similar premise where like it was a con artist woman who was like trying to like get her therapy hours up. It just was like too similar. But my dream was to shoot it in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. Uh, But just similarly, like, because like to me, the setting, yeah, was a big part of the show. But yeah. uh, So congratulations on getting to shoot something in Chicago. That's my dream. But with Philadelphia. I hear you. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, uh, anything else before we want to wrap this up? This has been a, a fucking bonus-sized episode, guys. Yo, Listen, the heart wants what the heart wants, and that's just to argue MJ and LeBron for like 45 minutes to an hour on a weekly basis. Yeah. Hey, bring me back on someday to talk about Pippin, because I, I do think that he's... Oh, we'll, we'll the, the narrative with Pippin is what, what are you doing Wednesday? You want? Yeah, I was about to say Wednesday, <laughs> Sunday, next Sunday, next Wednesday. Yeah, get, let me go down some yeah, stat we, holes we with Pippin because I, I think it's super hard to put Pippin into historical context, and I think he gets diminished because of that, which is a shame. Oh yeah, he uh, he literally could have been uh, the MVP any season that he was also playing with Jordan. Like he yeah. is so good. And he just gets diminished as a second banana. Uh, you know yeah. who I think his current comp is? Draymond Green and Clay Thompson. Yes. Ooh, he's that kind of shooter? No, no, he's oh. not that kind of shooter. You, you give him, he's a bit more Clay, he's a bit more Dre than Clay, but like obviously all of those shooters now would shoot way more three pointers and would have higher yeah, percentages. I think Scotty yeah. Pippen today would be as good of a shooter as Clay Thompson is. Just that level of catch and shoot can do it. Yeah, and just almost to be honest, compare Scotty more to LeBron's physic like physical attributes than Michael. I feel like in yeah, terms of that's what that I always said. Fast. I always I always say it's like he's Pippen and Jordan, but in a weird like he, it's a mix of like it's Pippen's brain. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Here here's a uh, a question for the next time you're on, Tim, and okay. we'll explore it then. But I'm just right. teasing it now. Uh, 
if Scottie Pippen did not grow up in poverty, would he have he would have he had been better than Michael Jordan? Ooh. Oh man, socioeconomics, socioeconomics, <laughs> and also just self perception and and confidence. I think uh, a lot of problems with Scottie Pippen's career is a weird lack of confidence with how good he actually was. Because he grew up in the mud. He accepted yeah. fucking no money because he grew up in the mud. Uh, I, I grew up in Joliet. This hits too close to home. I don't All know. right, we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk, we'll talk about it Wednesday. Yeah, uh, Tim, where can we find you online? Let, let our listeners know. Uh, I think, let me check. Twitter, I think I'm Tim underscore Baltz. And uh, on Instagram, Tim.Baltz. I don't know, figure it out. Yeah, right. that's right. And, that's uh, right. <laughs> what's your address? You time. Your home address is what? <laughs> <laughs> hey you guys know right. i'm at 69 420 fun lane hey <laughs> hey no way hey. i didn't know we live in the same building yeah, that's dude. so funny <laughs> free street pre- the parking three over there yeah yeah i'm apartment four yeah my and my uh i'm apartment uh uh dash dash one eight seven three it's a it's a dick and balls. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And Jamel's in uh eight zero zero eight five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guys, go to jamelljohnson.com, find friend or foe, Jamel's special. It is very good. And it is exactly what we need right now in quarantine. It is special he shot with no audience. Very funny stuff. Uh, go to danger at danger Moses on Twitter for and on Instagram, right? Or no? What's your sure. yeah? Uh, for Peter, uh, I will not promote myself at all. It is because it is, it's his birthday. Happy Happy birthday. birthday. Yo, go to Benner's, go to Benner's house and smack him in the fucking face. Happy birthday, nigga. Thank you. All right, let's get out of here. Love you guys. Bye.